Welcome to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, the first podcast to focus on the political side of pharmacy. Here's your host, Eric Geyer. Welcome, Political Pharmacist Podcast listeners. We're back today with part two uh, with Murdad Hariri. Uh, this is kind of something different I'm doing here to help show what pharmacists are doing to kind of even the playing field against some of the competition and to kind of use technology to their advantage since that is the way that society is moving and pharmacy and healthcare in general has been lagging behind for quite some time. So welcome back to the podcast, Murdad. Oh, thank you, Eric. Thank you for having me. So last time we talked about some of your innovations that you've done with technology with Bona RX. Now we're going to kind of move on here to Alir RX. How are you using this to help with like telemedicine to connect pharmacies to make this work? Well, you know, Alir RX is a telemedicine platform that we created a few years ago, about four years ago, for pharmacies. Basically, uh, this is no other than any other telemedicine programs where, you know, you download the app, you see a doctor under 10 minutes. You know, the doctor, if it can help you, if not, you know, it gives you a prescription to go get filled at a local pharmacy. But the idea have always been, and that's why you see some of the larger chains like CVS and Walgreens, they stopped putting minute clinics because they knew that, you know, when patients go to a, a pharmacist, well, sometimes, as you know, Eric, and I've been in the same boat, you know, people come up to you and say, what's good for this? What's good for that? What can I do to, you know, I feel like I'm coming down with the flu? You know, or something like that, and sometimes you can help them, and sometimes you can't. Sometimes you say, well, go see a doctor, and, uh, you know, hopefully I'll see the prescription when you come back, right? So the idea has always kind of intrigued me if there's a way that we could bring that doctor right in that pharmacy and be able to have the pharmacy now provide telemedicine as an alternative if the patient wants to uh, choose and be able to see a doctor and get better. So... We searched quite a bit, and uh, uh, when we came up with the program for LARX, the way it works is that we provide unlimited doctor's visits 24-7 in under 10 minutes, and we also provide, as an added benefit, an Aetna discount dental plan, vision, lab, as well as imaging, all for a family of five, which can include pet medication and veterinary office visits, and dermatology and psychiatry, all for $24.99 for a family of five per month. So it's a very low-cost alternative, especially for those people that are underinsured or uh, may not have insurance. You know, with the pandemic and everything, as you know right now currently, there are about 30 million people uh, that may have not have insurance or they may be underinsured. They have high deductible. They go want to go see a doctor. You know, you got to go to the doctor, they got to wait two hours, pay $65, and then waste their whole day, and then not go back to the pharmacy, get the prescription filled or whatever. The other fact was that we were looking at that, uh, according to CDC, about 84.3% of all adults in the U.S. have uh, had a contact with a healthcare professional in the past year. So that's a lot. That's like... Every in the, in every person in the country has had a contact with a doctor or a healthcare provider in, in the past year. And the other thing that kind of intrigued me was about 30% of all these doctors' visits were for acute conditions like a cold or flu or ear infection, backache, and so on and so forth. That really, at least to me, it's like going to a doctor. It's a waste of time, you know, wasting all my day to go and get an amoxicillin and come home. So 
this is where we came up with the idea, hey, why don't we just do something for pharmacies that they can just, this program, there's no charge to this program. It's free of charge. Actually, it generates revenue for the pharmacy and prescriptions. So, uh, and so we just thought, well, if they can just uh, provide the service by, we give every pharmacy all their marketing material, brochures, flyers, cards, that they could just maybe drop in every prescription bag, tell them that we offer telemedicine, that that patient can scan and log in and use the system and so on and so forth. What do you have to lose? You already have the audience, you know, people come to your pharmacy every day, you know, 100, 200 patients or more, maybe coming to your pharmacy, getting whatever their medication. And why don't you promote that on your social media, at the store? You'd be surprised how many people would be signing up for that kind of a service, especially if they have no insurance or there's a family of five. And so this is where we come into place. And then plus the other benefits, like I said, Aetna discount plan, you know, you get in working with Aetna insurance, we provide the Aetna discount dental, you know, you get a discount that's over 287,000 dentists across the country, lab laboratory discount, MRI, CAT scan discount, vision discount through a bunch of large and small mom and pop optometrists and eyeglass places and things like that, that you could get up to like 50% off all your vision needs. So that's a pretty good deal for a family. I mean, definitely is, you know, so. Yeah. And you know, one cool thing is with the pandemic, we've seen a huge shift towards this. And at least for the right reason when it comes to, you know, you don't want to necessarily have to go into somewhere and risk you getting sick or them getting sick if it's something that isn't, that wouldn't require necessarily like somebody to have a person-to-person contact. We've even seen dermatology kind of go online for some of these things, at least for some of the basic and easy to recognize stuff. And using the pharmacy as this is huge because they're going to have to come to the pharmacy to get their prescription no matter what. So if you can do this either at a pharmacy, through a pharmacy setup or something like that, that's a way that the pharmacist can really help engage with some of their patients who need these services, but their normal provider either doesn't offer it or because of the pandemic, they don't feel comfortable going out. Or like you said, because they're underinsured, this helps them that they can just see somebody right there on their phone or use it if their computer, whatever device they have where they can use that. And really, this would kind of dovetail pretty interestingly with provider status going forward. If pharmacists are allowed to do things like flu or strep tests, the doctor could say, hey, it looks like you have flu. I'm going to prescribe this. Go get the uh, quick test done at the pharmacy. Or it could even be something like COVID if there's a medication that starts working. Say they want to use something like dexamethasone for them or whatever they want to use. Not that... That's mainly sure. used in hospital settings, yeah. but that's something that, you know, they say they want to give an inhaler of some sort. They could have all the symptoms and they could say, hey, look, I'm writing you this inhaler, but go get a COVID test and the pharmacy could go do it rapidly and then have all that tied up in one place for them real nice and neat as opposed to walking to an ER, risking infection and everything else that's currently going on. Right. Mm-hmm. And that even applies to the normal flu season, let alone the pandemic. So this could really be something that could really help those family physicians, I don't want to say get more billables, but see more of their patients in an easier fashion and keep people out of the ER too. Is that kind of the way you're seeing it? Sure. Well, I mean, uh, the fact is that, yes, I mean, family physicians, a typical physician, about 30% of those calls that the visit at the office is for a simple thing, for a Z-pack, amoxicillin, or cortisone eardrops or whatever, you know. Well, that kind of takes away from his care for other patients that are more of a chronic condition and he needs to spend more time with people that are diabetic or that have COPD to educate them and take care of those other patients. So 
it kind of takes the load off of the uh, uh, a local family physician. And plus, you know, uh, one of the trend that I've seen, you know, if you've probably noticed, like what these mini ERs, I call them, they're yeah. popping up in every corner of the country. I mean, in our in Orlando, where I'm at, I mean, you know, we have uh, probably just every traffic light, there's one in the corner. And I don't know how many ERs do we need, but, you yeah. know. But uh, you know how they work. I mean, you know, they just basically bank on people walking in and, you know, they want to see a doctor, they sprain their ankle or, you know, they have the flu, cold, whatever. So, so this is definitely a, a system that can be promoted at the pharmacy at the basically no cost. I mean, you know, all you got to do is just participate in the program, you know, and uh, provide these marketing materials to your patients, print them, uh, promote it. And the other thing that I have seen some of the other uh, partners that we have are doing, which is kind of smart, is, you know, I used to uh, work in a small town, you know, in Ohio, which I don't think the pharmacy is there anymore. I think they closed down years ago. In this uh, town, Waterville, Ohio, uh, basically there was a far- one pharmacy and a bunch of other little shops, you know. Well, you know, that little mom-and-pop business, that's in the same town might be in a, an area that may be miles away from any type of a uh, healthcare center or anything else. Well, either the employees are not providing health insurance because they can't afford it, or if they do, they really, the patient has to drive, drive 10, 20, 30 miles to get to somewhere that he can see a doctor or whatever that may be. So this could definitely be a value there because you got a condition, you know, talk to your employees, talk to other businesses in your town and show them what they, uh, what you have to offer. There was a pharmacy that I know who walked into a, a Latino grocery store. They had about 25 employees. They could not offer any kind of a health insurance for them. And he offered them these uh, uh, telemedicine program that included all the services that we talked about. And uh, he uh, reached an agreement with the owner of the business. And if they have any prescriptions, you know, I can provide the prescriptions at a discounted price as well. So using the RX cards, was able to kind of combine the two programs together and signed up 25 people. And 25 people times if each one of them have five people in their household, that's 125 people. Can you imagine if you get 10, 20 employers, how many lives... <laughs> You yeah. could be servicing. I mean, that could really add up quick. And then on our app, you could also, the patient, we can't force patients to choose a pharmacy, but like the employer or, you know, or the patients or whatever, we just let them know that when they uh, set up their fa- uh, their profile on the app, I mean, they can choose that pharmacy as a preferred pharmacy. So whenever there is a prescription that is generated from that call, it would go directly through SureScript to that pharmacy. So kind of they benefit both ways. And on top of it, like I said, the pharmacy receives $10 per member per month as long as the patient stays on that program. So it's not just a one time. You get $10 every month as long as that family or that individual stays in the, on that plan. So uh, just imagine, you know, yeah. we have these uh, – you know, I go to my local car wash here. They just started promoting these unlimited car wash for twenty one ninety nine, right? Mm-hmm. And I figured, yeah, I go in there, I pay seven dollars. So hey, if I get 20, if I pay twenty one, I can go in there every week and wash my car. I don't have it'll cost me less. 
this is more or less the same type of a thinking or marketing where, you know, the uh, patient only pays one fee and they have access to all these services at no cost. There's a zero cost visit for the patient to use any of these services, except the ones that are discounted, like veterinary discount or things like that, you know. And then you mentioned a good point about uh, testing and all that. We also uh, offer pharmacies and we're actually working with our uh, di uh, distributor to uh, actually increase uh, the number of tests that we provide to pharmacies. But currently we of course provide antibody. They're all uh, FDA, EUA, clear wave testing. We have the antibody, the antigen, and the newest one that uh, just uh, came out that we uh, will have next week. It's a combination of antigen and flu A and B. So if a patient comes in and says, hey, I think I'm coming down with the flu, you say, well, hopefully it's not COVID. We have a <laughs> test for, say, $30. You want to have it done? Yeah. Okay. Well, very simple. It takes 10 minutes. You, they can, you can have it performed right at the pharmacy. And if they end up with a flu or a cold positive or, or COVID, then you can say, hey, you know, you probably need to go see a doctor. We have this. So just hand them a card and say, this is your alternative. Either go to your doctor, pay $100 or... Uh, you can use this service that doesn't cost you anything, and that's for your whole family. Yeah, and I think that's really so, going to pick up when you see some of these younger generations get older. Obviously, I'm a I'm an older millennial, so I feel like I can kind of speak on this a little bit. As Gen X gets older, they're going to gravitate towards things like this because they're already used to using the iPhone and technology for work. And you know, obviously, millennials are very technology savvy, and even Gen Z, who's below us super technology savvy. And this is just one of those things that makes sense to them. If I can do it from my phone, not have to leave home, drive all over town and wait, you know, spend all this time, I can just use it my phone and go to the pharmacy. That makes sense. So is that kind of what you're thinking going forward? You're going to see a lot big pickup just because of the generational divides? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, definitely as the, uh, as we all get older and uh, new generations come in, my son, he's 20 years old. He tells me all the time, I don't know anything. I said, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> you know, so I said, okay, when it comes to technology, he knows better. I said, okay, yeah, I trust you. I think you might know a little bit better. But yeah, I mean, you know, it just kind of goes back to, uh, I guess, to our days, I guess, uh, well, you know, when the telephone was out or, you know, computers or typewriters or whatever. I mean, whatever the technology, however the technology changed in the last 50, 60 years, you know, there has been that one generation that kind of kept up ahead of the technology. So definitely, we think that the telemedicine is going to be a way of future, especially if you provide a type of service that's affordable and doesn't cost much and can access it from anywhere in the country. So it's definitely something that I, I see a lot of, uh, you know, uses for it, not just now, but uh, next 10, 20, 30 years until hopefully maybe technology changes more and maybe we'll have like avatars as doctors <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, we could be visiting a doctor, a real doctor right at our home, you know, it'll be star so, Wars with a, with a hologram. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. what it'll be. The star Trek, you know, <laughs> you can get a doctor transported to, to your home. So yeah, who knows? I mean, it's, uh, it, I mean, it can happen. I mean, there was a time that we used to laugh at the star Trek, right? With the old star Trek shows, we used to laugh at it. They had that flip top and Captain Kirk used to say, Scotty beat me up. And what do you know? Back in the 90s, we got the flip top phone from Motorola, correct? Yep. And it worked the exact same way. Well, so it can happen. I mean, definitely this can happen. And if you combine, if a pharmacy combines that service 
point of care testing. That's what we tell the uh, pharmacists to get involved in the point of care testing, provide telemedicine, give things that people can use, you know, and it helps you because you're really not doing anything and say you're generating $10 per member per month for that patient being on something that they would really like to have, instant medical care. And uh, on top of it, uh, you can get a prescription. And on top of that, uh, you're providing a type of service that, uh, you know, I've seen some other big chain stores now offering telemedicine at their pharmacy. It's the same thing. Yeah, levels you know, of, levels like of playing field. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like for example, with CVS, they offer a one-time visit for $69, Oof. you know? So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's, uh, I mean, that's expensive. Or ours is for five people for $24.99, and that's unlimited. I mean, that is a huge savings, you know? Yeah. So, and what's funny, you mentioned the technology because it's it's really not that far removed since we even had typewriters in the pharmacy. I'll never forget growing up, my mom always kept a typewriter. And I always wondered why the heck we kept a typewriter and we had a computer in the house. And she was always like, well, it's the fail safe if the computer breaks. And I'm like, I would, I would like, it would boggle my mind when I would talk to her about it. But it, I also realized that when she started as a pharmacist in the 70s, she was using a typewriter. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, uh-huh. who would, you know how many errors I would have now with the volume I have trying to use a typewriter versus what the computers print on those little labels? So it's a, it's a good point right. that technology moves on and usually for the better in most cases, which is kind of alludes us to a product you have coming out soon called Tabula RX, which if I remember correctly, it's a it's an updated inventory system that is going to try and help kind of give some of these people a better management of what they're moving and kind of how they're moving their inventory, especially when it comes to things like C2s where most states still have to log stuff by hand. Can you start talking about Tabula a little mm-hmm. bit? Sure. You know, as I explained to you uh, in our last episode, you know, uh, when we own stores, we found that, you know, just like a lot of pharmacies that I run across, things have to be done manually by hand and written down on a sheet of paper, what you receive, what you dispense, and keep an ongoing inventory. And God forbid if somebody forgets to log in a, uh, a purchase or prescription or whatever, before you know it, you're over 100 tablets of Adderall and you're short 50 of something else. And and you're going to have to get a technician or yourself have to sit down over there and try to figure out what happened, right? Where did we go wrong? And try to backtrack everything. And I know as a pharmacist and the owner, I mean, sometimes, yeah, I mean, you know, we uh, we did a complete inventory once a month at our pharmacy. So at, at our pharmacies, we did a complete inventory of all the C2s once a month. And we had it had to match what we had that is said in the book. So, again, a lot of these systems that, that we kind of bring into pharmacies, we kind of created that, uh, like I said last time, is that in our pharmacy. So we had created a system where we were able to record everything uh, electronically and not only, you know, have that ability to be able to, you know, uh, easily enter these uh, purchases and dispense uh, C2s or C3 through 5 or whatever, but also ha- gives you some sort of a reporting. Uh, I know pharmacies, they just purchase whatever, and then uh, they dispense whatever, and they just keep going. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes the wholesaler doesn't want to send you something because you bought too many or too little, or, you know, sometimes they tell you that you have to wait till next week or whatever. 
So this system, what it does, it kind of looks at your purchases and everything and puts things graphically where you'll be able to kind of look and gauge yourself. Say, well, you know, wow, I bought 10 bottles of, say, you know, oxycodone last week. Maybe I need to slow down. It's higher than last the previous week. Or maybe we haven't bought enough of these. Or, you know, what uh, therapy class of medications have I dispensed? Is it, is it all opioids? Is it stimulant? Is it, uh, you know, uh, what type of drugs have I dispensed? So what it does, it just kind of keeps it. It's a reporting business and, you know, it's an analytical platform, which gives the pharmacies a lot of flexibility. And, you know, uh, <clears throat> we did a survey, and I'll give you that. Uh, I did a survey of uh, over a bunch of pharmacies. It was quite a few hundred. And we asked them, you know, how do you keep, how do you maintain C2 perpetual inventory at your pharmacy, you know, for purchase and dispense? And over 50% still doing it by hand. You know, doing it with the book, with the perpetual inventory book. And about a third more, okay, they're utilizing the pharmacy system, which that is a big issue because, you know, yeah. as you know, everybody have access to it. And that's not the best way. Plus, you know, the PMS doesn't really, other than telling you, you know, well, you do a report of what you dispense or whatever, or you bought, doesn't really give you anything else. We also ask these uh, pharmacy owners, does your PMS allows you to, you know, uh, report like things such as like the DEA form, the invoice number, the supplier, where it came from? You know, you wrote it in the book, but all you're writing is the invoice number. And if you buy from several wholesalers, you don't know where it came from, right? Mm -hmm. And interesting enough, again, over 50% said no. They don't have anything like that, even with the, with the PMS. Another intriguing thing is that uh, we asked the pharmacist, I said, uh, how many prescriptions on average do you fill uh, for C2 medication? 41.6% said about uh, 10 prescriptions a day. About a third of the population, uh, they said they do about 29.9%. And 24.7% said they do 21 to 30 C2 prescriptions per day. Okay. Wow. So we asked them, okay, great. You know, you're doing 20, 30, whatever number of prescriptions that you're doing every day. How often do you log these in? How do you, how do you uh, uh, reconcile all these, uh, you know, dispense or purchase or whatever? And 85% said we do it every day. So they're doing this every day, logging these things in and uh, trying to keep uh, on top of the inventory. Yeah. And, and the funny, uh, yeah. I was going to say, an inventory is like the bane of your existence as pharmacy because it's what you're paid on. It's everything you do. Unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot of services we make money off of aside from our inventory due to whatever state's various laws. There are more paths coming, mm -hmm. what that looks like. But inventory really is the bane of your existence. And if that's not on point, you can absolutely wreck a pharmacy. You can provide the greatest services there is, but if your inventory isn't managed correctly, it can absolutely doom your business. And like you said, with technology that goes you know further and further uh, as the years pass, a lot of pharmacies, and I'm not just thinking on independence, but even some of the big chains are still using programs that are Microsoft DOS-based at best. So, I mean, when you're talking about something that changes that from a technology that's older than I am to something that's more up-to-date and with the tools we have now with even, heck, Microsoft Excel can do some amazing stuff with graphs. But if <laughs> it's something that or yeah. better, it makes it just makes sense, right? 
You know, and interesting enough, when we ask these uh, uh, the group of pharmacies, uh, we ask them how accurate is your inventory <laughs> compared to what you have on the shelf. You know, would you believe sixty point eight percent that it's a hundred percent accurate? That means forty percent are not. Well, and you I know? think I think that's even high because I know me where I manage for pharmacy, it's a constant battle to keep that as accurate as possible, and I, it it's never perfect, but it's always within a little bit. And so like, that's a very hard thing to have a perfect inventory. I, I, I question anyone who says it's perfect, just in my, my own opinion, but like, still. No, it is. It's a constant battle. It's every day uh, you have to be looking at your C2, what came in, what went out. I mean, you go dispense something at all and you look at it, you say, well, does it look like I have 275? I only got a bottle of a half. Is that right? Then it, your mind goes into where the rest of it is and then prescriptions are piling up phone calls are coming in and you know <laughs> the, the full cycle of uh working in the pharmacy kicks in and you know and the, the other thing is the timing so believe it or not we ask these same pharmacies they say how much do you spend on a weekly basis you know uh, managing these your c2s or you know if you do choose to do three through five or whatever over 40%, they spend over two hours a week. Oh, yeah. You know, maintaining their C2s. I mean, that's a lot of time. If you imagine two hours a week times 52 weeks, that's I mean, 104 hours. Uh, how many, how much can you save on just that? Yeah. And we asked them, okay, how satisfied are you with your current system on a scale of one to 10 on average? Okay. We got a 7.5. So they gave their system, whatever they use, as 75% great. So we saw the need for this type of a system, and we knew that having the system in place will definitely help the pharmacies spend less less time managing these type of stuff. And they will have uh, electronic records and everything so that somebody comes in and says, you know, let's uh, count your C2s, right? You can just pop right to it and take a look as long as you do what's required. I mean, this is not fully automated system because of inventory coming in and inventory going out. You have to still manage it, but it's a lot easier to maintain that versus a, a paper form. Yeah. You know? So, right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's huge. And I think that's awesome. Something to look forward to for some of these smaller operations. They can have some of the, some of the big boy toys, if you will, when it comes to managing this, which is absolutely the bane of your existence as far as a business like a pharmacy. So thanks for what you're working on. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to see when that rolls out, but, uh, finishing up this, this part, part two of this series here with Murdad, I want to ask you the second follow-up question I ask everybody is if you could change one law in pharmacy, be it federal or state, it could be specific to Ohio, where we both have worked, or maybe Florida, where you owned in the past. What law would you change? Well, I'm a true believer in uh, having pharmacists giving pharmacies the status of a provider, because we are truly a provider. For many, many years, we were looked at as just somebody that exchanges medication for money and a merchant, okay, rather than a healthcare provider. But I think, you know, as everything advances, Pharmacy education has changed. A lot of pharmacists are getting trained into different disease conditions. And there's definitely definitely uh, uh, opportunities there for pharmacists to be involved with the patient care. And that's going to help the overall general uh, uh, health care system 
and reduce the healthcare costs. So uh, I'm a big uh, proponent of being able to uh, have a provider status as a pharmacist. I think that that'll be big if we can never get that going. And I know APHA is uh, promoting that or like I, I think in Tennessee and Ohio, I believe, pharmacists were given a provider status, correct? Yeah. For, for, for Ohio Medicaid, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I think it's interesting too, someone like you says that, because just looking at all the different programs that we kind of went over two podcast episodes that you've done, you'll probably find a way that we can you can use us as providers that we might not even see right now. So I think that that's awesome that someone like you is really looking at that. And honestly, some of your systems right now are really being utilized or could be utilized to make that happen. So I think that's a really cool thing to look forward to in the in the near future here. Sure, definitely. I'm uh, looking forward to see all the changes happening in pharmacy uh, in the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah. You know, it'll be interesting to see, you know. Yeah. Pharmacy is definitely going to change in any number of ways that will keep people's heads spinning for sure and keep me doing plenty of podcast episodes. So, hey, Murdad, thanks for coming on the podcast. And thanks for doing two episodes with Thank me you, and, and for all you do to really kind of help those those little guys in the fight kind of level the playing field. Sure. I appreciate uh, inviting me for this podcast. And if anybody has any questions, they'll be more than happy to uh, contact me directly. Awesome. And I'll make sure to include uh, his LinkedIn profile and his websites in the show notes for both episodes. That way, when people want to find this, you can have a direct link after listening to this to kind of dig in a little deeper. Yeah. So as always, thanks for, yeah, th- as always, thanks for listening to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, your prescription for pharmacy and politics.